Welcome to the sermon podcast of South Hills Church in Costa Mesa. My name is Chris Kretzu, and I'm the campus pastor here. Thank you for carving out the time to listen to this today. I hope that you will be encouraged and challenged, and ultimately that you'll have a deeper sense of God's love for you. I'll be back after the message is over, but until then, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. We're in this series called In God We Trust, and we're talking about finances, and I wanted to start off today by reading you guys a little book. Is that okay? I'm going to do a little different. This is a book called A Kid's Book About Money by Adam Stromwasser. I thought my last name was difficult. I'm going to see if I can do this with a a handheld microphone and pages and breeze, and I'm going to try and show you. There's no pictures, but there's a lot of fun words, okay? So here we go. Um... Here we go. Money. Must stand up. Maybe that'll be easier. Money can be bills, coins, digital coins, checks. We carry money in a wallet, on bank cards, on a phone, on our watch. Have you ever wondered where money comes from? Why we need money? What money can buy or how to get more money? Everybody say yes. Yes, I have wondered. Money can be really complicated, even for grown-ups, but it doesn't have to be. Let me explain. Money is a tool that gets us things, things that we want, things that we need. See some of you guys taking notes out there. For example, a grown-up bought this book for you. Guess how much money they paid for it? $1 million. Not really. It was about 20 bucks. How many bananas could you buy with 20 bucks? 20? 30? That's a lot of bananas. Think about how many extra chores you would have to do to earn that much money. Probably a lot. Note to grown-ups. Have people do more chores. You see, money has value to get things both big and small, things that we need or things that we want. So how do you make money? Work. (laughs) That's right. That's right, smarty pants. We can all get money by working. Work is when someone spends their time making or doing, selling, teaching, performing, fixing, helping someone else, and they get money for it. Work can mean being a babysitter, a photographer, an Uber driver, doctor, pilot, baseball player, or a ballerina. So let's say you did chores around the house last month and your grown-up paid you $20. Woohoo! High five. You, you have $20 now. What should you do with it? You could buy toys, a movie ticket, cheeseburgers, a room full of balloons, some clothes, or candy. But you can't buy everything. Now, don't worry. It's windy. There are some things that do not cost money, like hugs, laughs, sunsets, and rainbows. But really, some things do cost a lot of money, like a bouncy house. So what do you do? First, figure out what you, everybody say, need like food, clothes, and school supplies, then figure out what you want, like toys, candy, video games, or a puppy. 
Sometimes we only have enough money for the things we need, and we have to wait and save up for the things we want. This book sucks. <laughs> I wouldn't say that if I was reading it to my children. You are smart, and smart kids don't spend all their money all at once. You're smart with money when you save a little, spend a little, and give a little. See, money isn't that complicated, right? So always save, spend, and give. As long as you do that, having dinero will be fun. Which, for some of you guys, that's money in, in Spanish. So, uh, man, uh, what a helpful book, right? It's kind of helpful for us to learn a little bit today. Um, that's where I go to children's books for all of my learning. Um, I think the real trick of this book is where it says, you can't buy everything, um, which isn't what any of us want to hear, right? Um, also, um, I don't know if it's necessarily true. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily been my experience. It goes on. It says, sometimes we only have enough money for the things we need, and we have to wait to save up for the things we want. Uh, this is the lesson that I want my kids to learn. This is a lesson that I wish that I learned when I was younger. Um, but uh, a lot of people don't teach it. And also, it's not necessarily communicated by anybody else or any other voice in our lives. And when people say you can't have everything you want and, and sometimes you need to wait and, and then you're 18 and you go to Target on your way to go camping with some friends and they say, hey, would you like a Target credit card? You get 10% off this purchase and you say, makes sense to me. And you get the Target. This is just hypothetical. And before you realize it, you have maxed out at 18 years old a $2,000 credit card. Not in one trip. It was like two or three. You guys have been to Target. Uh, I, I literally can have what I want. I, I actually don't have to wait. I don't have to save up. At 18 years old, I was able to just, well, I want that now, so I'm going to go ahead and get that now. This, this beautiful thing called a credit card. Uh, it was this incredible opportunity that I had, which caused me so many issues. Uh, and it didn't stop with that one, and I got more and more and more, and uh, it, was a real, it was a real issue for me. It was a huge issue. And then I got credit cards to help pay off credit cards, and you don't have to raise your hand if you've ever done that before. Um, and Have you guys ever been in a relationship where you, 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 know, you get pretty serious and you get to that point where you know you have to sit down with that significant other and you have to tell them like the number you guys know what I'm talking about like how much debt you have you hope it's not going to scare them off you hope that they'll love you anyways they realize that's your past and they'll help you pay it off now just kidding <laughs> it was a difficult thing it was crazy my wife and I we've actually uh, we've done a lot of work and she's actually done the majority of the work with uh, incredible budgeting and planning skills, but we've been able to pay off all of that debt. But it took us a long time. It took me a long time to pay for the sleeping bag and the deodorant that I bought that day in Target, probably about 10 years. Um, and I promise I didn't smell that good those 10 years. Uh, it was, you know, it's this credit reality, this credit cards, debt. All, I mean, it's, it's a constant thing. I was actually looking the other day. I saw this T-shirt. I actually saw an ad on Instagram for a T-shirt. And I was like, that's awesome. So I went to the website and I looked at it. It was $17 for the T-shirt. And under the add to cart button, there was another button that said after pay. 
And I was like, what is that? And so I read the fine print and it said, break this up into four easy payments. The $17 shirt I could break up into four easy payments. And I was fascinated because I knew I was going to be talking about this. And I was like, okay, let's go look at this. And, and uh, I go to the website. I read all about this thing called Afterpay, which is like the best name in the world. It's like, you don't have to pay now. Just pay after. It's so much better. You can, get, you can have it now. You, you don't have to wait. You can have it now. Uh, and I went, and there's no interest at all unless you don't make your payment on time, and then they charge you 25% of whatever the, the cost was for the item. Uh, and that probably adds up pretty quickly, you can imagine. And, and this is the challenge with, when you look at credit options. It's a dangerous combination when you have a country that in 2019 spent $325 billion in advertising, um, which is basically built to make you feel like you have to have this thing. I mean, Instagram knows everything that we want. We get ads for it. Uh, and then you you pair $325 billion with a little button that says afterpay. Uh, it's a dangerous combination. It's crazy how easy it is to buy whatever you want. You don't have to wait. You don't have to save up. You don't have to only buy certain things. We actually have the option to buy as much as we want almost at any time. So when we tell our kids, when I tell my kids like, oh, you know what? You can't buy everything you want. I, I, I'm at the point where I'm like, I don't know if that's the right thing to say. Maybe it's you shouldn't buy everything you want. You know, maybe we'll start talking about cash or credit cards or debt or things like that. But, but there's this reality for, I think, a lot of young people that there's this awareness that, well, actually, they, they just told me I can. They gave me this and said I could buy whatever I want. And it's 10% off. And it's 90 days, same as cash. And I got this cool Target t-shirt with it for free. You know, you guys seen those things? Where it's like, oh, sign up for a credit card. We'll give you a free shirt. Like the weirdest motivation for a credit card. I don't need a Visa shirt. Um, many of us were told we have to wait to save up for things we want. And then other people told us we didn't actually need to wait. Debt has become normalized in the U.S. Uh, as of November 2020, this is pretty recent. Consumer debt in America was at $14.2 trillion. And the average American was $90,460 in debt. That includes like if, you know, home loans and school loans and things like that. Uh, and the highest percentage of that is Gen uh, Z. Uh, Gen Z is the highest percentage of that debt. 90% of adults have a credit card. 75% of them carry a balance between five dollars and $8,000 a month. Uh, this is crazy. The average car payment uh, for a new car in the U.S., and I don't know. I don't want to make anybody feel awkward. I was surprised, but you guys have seen the jalopy that I drive. Uh, the average new car payment in the U.S. is $563. Uh, that's the average. So there's some that are less, but that also means that there's some that are more. Um, this, is, this is crazy. Debt has been normalized. Um, and uh, I'm not here to tell you what to spend your money on or debate like good debt versus bad debt or any of those types of things. But we have to acknowledge that debt has been just kind of okayed and normalized. It's kind of this assumption that everyone has it and it's just something you have to deal with. And if we're going to do a series talking about how to have healthier or a more holistic view of money, then we have to talk about debt. And the truth is, in my case, I'm speaking from a lot of experience in this message, but I, I think that for many of our uh, lives, we've experienced this, that, that debt is oftentimes the evidence of an inability to delay gratification, to say, you know what, 
I don't need that deodorant today. I'm going to save up for it. I'm probably going to bring out the deodorant a few more times. So, um, no, but uh, it's, it's this inability to say, you know what, I'm going to wait to get the thing that I want. It's a choice because the thought in the book is that you can't get it even though you want it until you save up. But the reality in our lives is that you can. And so we have to choose delayed gratification. I know it's everybody's favorite word. So let's say that out together. Delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. A lot of elbows getting thrown. They're going to get smacked, Renee. You better be careful. Delayed gratification. And I'm not saying this because I, I know how to do this and this is my strength. I'm just saying this whole entire message is, that's why I read a kid's book. This is the level that I'm at with this, this conversation. We have to choose to not get everything we want right now. We have to choose what does it mean to save. We have to choose delayed gratification. Now, I want to give a huge caveat because not all debt is necessarily your choice. Yesterday, um, we got a new filing cabinet. Um, and our uh, as was cleaning out the old filing cabinet and going through it, she found all kinds of amazing things. Um, but one of those things was about uh, three folders about this thick. It was full of medical bills from our first pregnancy. My, my wife was hospitalized at 18 weeks. She was in the hospital until he was born. You can do the math. Uh, it was crazy. Uh, we did not choose that. That was not something that we signed up for. Not all debt is because you can't, uh, you can't choose. You're, you're, you know, what's the, how am I trying to say this? Not all debt is because you don't know how to have delayed gratification. Some of this is stuff that's kind of thrust upon us. These are things that we have no choice in a moment, but this is kind of like put upon us. I get that. And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the deodorant. I'm talking about the free t-shirt. I want the credit card. I'm going to choose after pay for this. What, that's what we're talking about today. So many of us, we decide we want something or maybe even that we need something, even though we may not. And we're able to convince ourselves that we shouldn't have to wait for it. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Um, get that tattooed on your arm. Uh, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. In other words, this city can be overrun. It can be overwhelmed. It can be taken over or taken advantage of at any time because there is no ability to protect itself, to defend itself. And a person that has no self-control is the same thing. That's a perfect description of my own experiences. First, no self-control meant that I'm easily overwhelmed and convinced to do things. Uh, and then because I'm overwhelmed and because I ended up stepping into some of those credit cards and the debt and this, that, and the other thing, flight time. Because I stepped into those things, I, I was weakened and I had no options. Uh, I, I found myself at a place where I had so much debt that I was unable to do things that I wanted to do because I had gotten everything that I wanted. It's like such a twisted thing. Because I got so much of what I wanted when I wanted it, now I couldn't do what I wanted. It's like this really twisted thing. It, this idea of uh, a city with broken down walls, with, with gaps in it. That you have the self-control piece. I'm not able to, to say no or to protect myself. And because of that, I'm still like a city with broken down walls because I'm still unable to protect myself. I'm at the mercy of this bill. I'm at the mercy of this debt. I remember uh, very specifically, I was about 20 years old, and uh, I just broke down in my room crying because I felt so trapped. 
um, because of the choices that I had made, financial choices. Um, and nobody else, like, you know, most people didn't know. Nobody told me not to or to. It was just all of these choices I got to made on make on my own. I don't know if any of you guys have had experiences with that or if this is a thing for you. Maybe you know some people that deal with this. Um, Luke chapter 14, I want to look at a passage um, here. It's just a couple verses. Luke 14, verse 28 um, through 30. Jesus is talking and he says this. He says, for who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money. And then everyone would laugh at you. A little harsh, but okay. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Now, some of you Bible scholars, you may recognize this passage. And Jesus is not actually talking about money right here. He's, he's giving this example, this metaphor, because he's talking about what it means to be a disciple, what it means to follow him, this idea of count the cost, count, to take, take stock of what does it mean to truly sacrifice yourself to follow the way of Jesus. He's using a common sense principle about money to illustrate the importance of thinking through what this commitment will look like. So Chris, why are we using this? It feels a little bit out of context. Well, because apparently this is no longer a common sense principle. This idea, I mean, Jesus is essentially mocking us in 2021. Who in the world would begin construction if they don't have the money to pay for it? Can you imagine somebody doing something they don't have the money to do? What a ridiculous thing. That's such an obvious example. I'm going to use that to talk about following me. Nobody would be foolish enough to do this, except today we're like, really, Jesus? Seriously? Literally everyone. You never heard of credit cards? I need this building now. Plus, it's like 90 days, same as cash, you know. Uh, and I think I'm going to get a raise soon, you know. So it's going to be okay. I'm going to be able to take care of it. Like, we come up with all of these excuses and all these reasons of why we don't have to delay gratification. This principle is something that was so obvious that it was like the easiest thing for Jesus to point out. Say, people would laugh at this person. And this has become, for so many of us, this has become our reality. This has become our life. Proverbs 22, verse 7 says, The rich lord it over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. The borrower is a slave to lender. And that's, that's really what my experience was, this sense of, man, I, I don't have the freedom to do what I want to do. And isn't that really what we all want? Like, isn't that why we want a ton of money? Is so we can just do whatever we want to do? I mean, that's the ultimate goal. It's not even necessarily having the cash. It's the freedom to do whatever it is that we want to do. By trying to shortcut my desires now, I, I tend to sabotage my options later. I can't do or be what I want in the future because I'm stuck, enslaved to what I've already spent in the past. Being told we can and should be able to have whatever we want right now, it may be marketed as like an American dream, but it's really, it's a nightmare. It is so painful and so difficult and so many people have experienced a lot of damage because of it. You are not free to do what you want if you are enslaved to what you have already done. We've got to start to shift our perspective about this. Getting what we want now often prevents us from being who we want to be later. Five, 10, 20 years later, I know that the deodorant wasn't worth it. 
But in that moment, it just seemed super easy and innocent. Like there was nothing wrong with it. Obviously, if they're going to give me a credit card, if they're going to give me the loan, then I must be good for it. They must know something I don't know. Um, it's a challenge for us. Immediate gratification traded for a cost that most of us can't even calculate. And some of this, I know some people that have had marriages end because of hidden debt, hidden credit cards, things like that. I, I know people that have struggled because of these relationships, emotional unhealth, financial unhealth. Obviously, this is a huge, huge burden. But we often just look at it as if it's a normal, okay, acceptable thing. And I'm not at all intending to put shame on myself or anyone else, but we need to categorize it correctly. Does that, does that make sense? The difference there makes sense? It's not about, you know, shame on you. It's, a, it's more about how do we shift our perspective on this. I think even the people watching online could hear that plane. Money buys things, and some of those things are things that we need, but money's intrinsic value, like I said a bit ago, it's, it's the ability to give you control over your time. That's really what we want. We want the freedom. The highest form of wealth is the ability to wake up every morning and say, I can do whatever I want to do today. That is the, the highest form of wealth. You know who can do that? The uber-rich and the people that I served on my mission trip to Uganda which is really bizarre because you couldn't get on two more polar opposite ends of the extremes. One of them has the finances to be able to literally just make those decisions. And the other one was never tempted by a target card or things like that. And they, they have not lived outside of their means. They live inside of their means. And even if you are not wealthy, you still get to decide what is it that I want to do? Where do I want to live? How do I want to go? There's ability to have freedom to choose what you want to do. I remember we went to Costa Rica, not on a missions trip, on a vacation, uh, although I'd go on a missions trip to Costa Rica, don't get me wrong. Um, and I was blown away with the community there and the people that lived where we stayed. And um, they would work really hard, but they also just genuinely seemed like they enjoyed life. I mean, that's the that's the whole thing, right? Pure Pura Vida. I'm going to say that wrong. Uh, it's a crazy reality. This idea to actually have the freedom of time, of decision, of say-so. And debt is something that be, it, it traps us, it enslaves us, and so we no longer have the ability because I still have to pay for this, that, the other thing. Hebrews 13 verse 5 says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have, which is a fairly common understanding. Like it says this a lot in scriptures, right? This idea, just, just be satisfied, be content, don't love money. Uh, what's, what's a little bit more surprising is what it says next. It says, for God has said, so it says, don't love money, be satisfied for, uh, with what you have. For God has said, does anybody, uh, you don't have to answer, but I mean, we could fill this blank in with all kinds of stuff. Like he will provide for us. He will open the floodgates of his windows, uh, provide, pour out his glorious riches. There's all kinds of verses that these ideas come from, and many of them are true. It says, don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you, and I will never abandon you. Which doesn't really have to do with any of my stuff or the stuff that I want. It has to do with presence. 
It has to do with time. It has to do with connection. It has to do with a loving relationship. And I think sometimes what we do, and, and we do this in different ways. We do this uh, with different um, uh, passions that we have, different loves that we have that maybe are out of order. Uh, sometimes we, we take a, a lesser love and it becomes the, the primary thing we pursue. The, a lesser passion, it becomes a primary thing. We kind of get things out of order. And sometimes I think what we do is we start to say, you know what? I'm just going to love that less. I'm just going to try and not want that as much as I, I used to. I'm just going to try and not want that addiction or not want that habit or not want that desire the way that I used to. And I think we kind of, we do ourselves a disservice because I don't know that we can actually want something less Oftentimes what C.S. Lewis actually talks about is instead of trying to diminish a love, we actually have to focus on a greater love. What is it that I want more than this? What is it that I want more than this habit? What is it that I want more than this thing? What is it that I want more than money or sex or in power or whatever these things are that kind of entrance us? Instead of trying to say, you know what, I'm just going to choose not to want. Th-. It's like, good luck. I've tried. That's really hard. What is it that you want more than that? What is even more important? What do you love even more than those things? I think that's what the writer of Hebrews is getting at. And don't, don't love money. Be satisfied for what you have because there is something even better. There is something even more fulfilling. There is something that will give you even more pleasure. And that is this connection with God. There's this trade-off. Instead of trying to minimize a lesser love, we choose the greater love. We choose the greater desire. We choose the thing that we want even more. And this brings us back full circle to this idea that we can't have everything we want. We get to choose and say, you know what I want the most? Instead of, do you know what I want right now? Do you know what I want here in aisle 13 of Target? Versus, do you know how I want my family to live? You know what I want to be able to uh, achieve these goals at a certain age in my life? Do you, you know what the freedom that I want to be able to have, the things I want to be able to provide that maybe I wasn't able to have as a kid? Or We get to choose and say, what is, what is the greater desire? What is the greater love? And the promise is that God will never fail us and never abandon us. The thing that you most need from God is the same thing the people in our lives most need from us, which is our presence and our attention. And in my experience, when I have been saddled with debt and the stress that comes with that, it takes away either because I've had to hustle and work a couple different jobs or just because of the stress and anxiety of the weight of that. It takes away from the relationship. It takes away from the presence and the attention. And the more freedom that we experience financially, the more we're able to spend ourselves and our time on the people we love and with the people we love. We get to experience the the choice to do what we want because we're not obligated to pay for what we have already gotten in our lives. There's a few practical things I want to talk about today. I know this this message is is, uh, maybe a little bit uncomfortable. It's a little uncomfortable for me um, and maybe for some of you guys as you're hearing this and thinking about this. And maybe you know some people that have had bad experiences with this. But I want to give us practical tools. Over the last few weeks, we've talked about how do we we right-size our priorities? How do we say, okay, is God trustworthy? And we talked about... 
If he is, which we believe he is, we have to cultivate contentment and a healthy view of who God is. The second week, uh, we, we continue talking about this idea of how do we, how do we continue to have a, a healthy perspective on a, what our priorities are? And so now as we start to right-size these ideas, then we can say, okay, so if I can trust God and if I can start to fix my priorities, then how should I deal with debt? How should I approach debt and things like that? So practically speaking, a couple tips here. Uh, one, um, this is a shocker, stop spending more than you have or more than you think you'll have when you get the raise or more than you have this pay period, but you'll be able to pay it off next pay period. Like just let's be intentional and make these choices to stop spending more than we have. Uh, cut up your credit cards, which I know is painful for some people. Um, Add up how much you owe and then put as much money into debt reduction as possible. Uh, there's a couple of different ways to do this. Um, we offer a class uh, called Financial Peace University, which is super helpful and not just talking about debt, but really about financial planning from a, a larger perspective. But in that class, one of the things they talk about is they say, hey, if you want to pay off debt, pick the debt that's the smallest and put as much extra money as you can towards paying that one off first. So you get a quick win under your belt and then take all of that money and snowball that into the the next smallest one, and then the next smallest one, and so on and so forth. Um, we put together a list of some resources. If you guys are looking for resources, um, if you go to the, our website, southhills.org slash Costa Mesa, and scroll down, uh, there's a, a button that says financial resources. Um, we put together some worksheets, some Excel sheets, some printable things. There's links to Financial Peace University classes. A bunch of it's free, um, but ways for you to start getting a handle on and a healthy perspective on your finances. Uh, it's an important thing for all of us to do. And then just as I close, you know, I, I think that, um, like I said, maybe some of you are feeling a bit uneasy, uh, maybe a, a bit uncomfortable right now. And I think it's important when we talk about some of these things like this, because money always hits close to home. Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And so there's this direct correlation between us and our finances, or maybe us and our debt. There's this really close uh, line for us. And I think it's super important for us to pay attention to the tension Pay attention to the tension that you feel in your heart, in your mind. If this is an uncomfortable conversation, if there's like a tension that you feel, why is that? And maybe the question that I would want you and, and even myself to ask is, why am I feeling this way? Why is this an uncomfortable sermon? Why is this an uncomfortable topic? Can we talk about like sex or tithing or something? Why do we gotta talk about debt? Let's talk about something easier. Why, what is the tension? What is it for you? Why, why are you feeling this way? Is it because you don't want to acknowledge the state of your broken down walls of your city? Is it because I enjoy the freedom of doing what I want when I want and I don't want to have to tell myself no? Is it because you or I need to have a difficult conversation with someone? We have to pay attention to the tension. There is a eternal invitation for us from Jesus, an eternal life, a salvation because we cannot save, our, save ourselves. There is a, a healing that comes. And Jesus is not just interested about what happens after we die. He wants us to start experiencing whole, full life now. And part of that, a large part of that for some of us has to do with having a 
correct perspective on debt and the way we experience delayed gratification and choose to have a healthy and holistic perspective on our finances. Let's bow our heads and pray together. Well, regardless of where you may be at in your faith journey, I believe that everyone has a next step that they can take. If you'd like more information about what it means to put your trust in Jesus, information about getting baptized or maybe even attending a Discover class to grow more in your faith, you can visit us online at southhills.org forward slash Costa Mesa and then scroll down to the next steps section. If you'd like more information about tithing or supporting South Hills financially, you can visit southhills.org forward slash giving. Thanks again for listening today, and I hope that I get to see you soon.